Hey, I'm Brenda. She, her. Uh, hey, I'm Austin. He, him. And this is Secret, Secret History, History of, of Nerd, Nerd Mysteries. Welcome, everybody, to Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. I'm host Austin. And I'm host Brenda. And uh, to start, we have a little bit of nerd news for everybody. Ready? Should we soundbite? Do we just soundbite that? I think we do. Nerd news. Nerd news. Brenda, I thought I believe you had something to go up first? Yes. Hey everyone, Agretzko is coming back for season three. Agretzko might be one of my one of the reasons I keep Netflix. I essentially keep Netflix to watch Agretzko and um yeah, just Agretzko, I think, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for Agretzko, says Brent. Yeah, Agretzko is if you haven't watched it or you don't know what it is, Agretzko is a character from the Sanrio character roster, so like Hello Kitty and like Batsmaru. And um, Gudetama, she is a office worker, Red Panda, who does karaoke, death metal karaoke at night to vent all of her frustrations. From being an office worker. Yeah, it's just really wholesome and good. And the last season was incredible. And I don't know what this season holds. Uh, They showed some promotional art and there's like a a cheetah who's like the glasses trope guy. Mm -hmm, Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like these, I think they're hamsters who look like they might be in like a, like a band. I, I can't tell. I have no clue what's going to happen. Um, so we got Cheetara and Hamtara. <laughs> it just, I don't have to see a commercial for this. I know it's going to be good and I'm really excited. I'm glad Netflix has some, Netflix has had like bummer news over the last year, I feel like. And this, this, this summer, not even the summer, this pandemic, they've been like, we're ready to, we're back. We're, yeah. Fuck, fuck Disney Plus. Fuck HBO Max. Yeah, like Netflix is having a big problem keeping their big, you know, their their big hot hits. So like The Office is leaving soon, which does mm-hmm. like crazy numbers for um, Netflix, and they lost a couple other big um, sitcoms that were doing like big rewatch numbers. Mm-hmm. And I know that they've been trying to like kind of target other markets. Um, so that was like that that Russo brothers uh, Chris Hemsworth movie that took place in India, and oh, like yeah. my dad was watching it. It's bad, but anyway, my dad <laughs> was watching it, and he was just like, "Why is this in India? Like, what are they doing?" And I like looked it up, and it's because Netflix is targeting that market because they just can't really compete in America right now. <laughs> They're having it well because I feel like for a long time Netflix was like they like everybody has their like one or two Netflix originals they like, but people really mm-hmm. had Netflix because you do things like watch space jam or watch the avengers movies or watch like like they they collected all of the favorites and the nostalgia from across like across the various planes of media but Mm -hmm. with more streaming popping up like those people are taking them back like yeah and it's like we had like a kind of healthy thing going like where there was like a small smidge of competition so you had like hulu and netflix were the two big ones and hulu Mm -hmm. was tv shows and Netflix was kind of like original TV shows and movies. And mm. 
So you only really had to either choose between the two of those or um, balance two things and have everything. And now there's like five plus things. Yeah. And it's just, it's too much. And it's like, I can't, I think we, we both have the same stance on piracy. We ain't going to do it. Yeah. But um, I just, you know, I just longingly want to watch things and I just can't physically, especially right now, can't <laughs> afford everything. Streaming in this economy? Yeah, I have... Mm-hmm. I have everything, but the way it works is like I pay for Hulu, my partner pays for Netflix. Mm-hmm. HBO Max was given to me by AT&T. Like they were like, you can use it or not, but you have it for free. Oh, nice. Be- because I bundle my, it's apparently because I bundle my internet, my phone plan is what I'm told. Oh. Um, And then I bought a year of Disney Plus because I wanted to watch Gargoyles. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm buying, I am buying Disney Plus for gargoyles and we'll see how it shakes out with them yeah um, <laughs> if, if at the end of the year like we'll see disney plus has a lot of stuff i would say if i had to like choose one i honestly would pick disney plus because it has like enough video like movies i can watch with my family mm-hmm. it's got like all the disney movies so i don't i don't have my own collection of disney movies my parents like have all of them mm-hmm. so it's like i can just watch whatever i want without having to be like oh well i don't have this in my collection i need to buy it you know Right. Um, so I could be like, I want to watch Monsters, Inc., but I don't have to buy it. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. Um, I would pick Disney, I think. And it's nice because Disney Plus is slowly, like, they're unvaulting the vault. Like, there's not going to be a vault anymore. It'll just be Disney Plus. So, like, that idea, for people who don't know, the Disney vault was, like, Disney would be like, we're releasing Lion King for the next year, and then we're not printing anymore. And you have to wait until it's, like, being printed again. Um not to say copies may not be out there once it's quote-unquote vaulted, but being vaulted was like, there's now a finite number of these, and if mm-hmm. you don't get one this time, good luck next time. Yeah, like, when we were growing up, it was still, like, really big, because I'd say nowadays, like, even without Disney+, Plus, there's enough different versions, like, releases of The Lion King that are easily available. Mm-hmm. Like, you could go to Goodwill and find the VHS copy, or even the DVD copy, or, like, mm-hmm. walk go into Walmart, and there's still, like, an old copy of the Blu-ray sitting there, co- covered in dust, you know? Right. Like, but when we were kids, there wasn't, there weren't any releases. Like, growing up, like, movies like Oliver and Company were just not, you could not get them. It did not mm-hmm. exist on like video format the black cauldron did not exist until like 1997 in video mm-hmm. format it's like there's a scarcity built around it and when it came out it was like a really big thing that you had to like jump up and go get it because it was your yeah. last chance well i feel like that's why originally Disney channel was a big deal because they boasted like they would you would get to see these things again if you mm-hmm. caught them on your tv on the disney channel at the right you know or like the same kind of the same idea of disney plus so like well, now you can get disney plus and you can have those things again mm-hmm yeah, I remember the Disney Channel. They were like, we're showing The Lion King on Disney Channel once and you're going to be there or you're going to miss it. And then they yeah. were like, we're also throwing in a preview of Lion King 2. And if you're not there, you don't get to see it. It's <laughs> like, just gone forever. This is before yeah. the internet. Like no one, no one torrented the commercial. It was just gone. You're like, well, like, I don't know if you could find that. You could maybe find that online somewhere. Someone's probably stolen footage from that. I mean, I know I recorded it. Because it was just, it was a big deal. I can tell you where I was when I first saw that first preview of Lion King two. Because like that was a big deal. Like it was like this is the second Lion King. This is before like the whole market was saturated with bad Disney sequels. Yeah. Um, was I this could tell you trying it out. Was this the like because Lion King two is Lion King two and Mulan two? I will argue are not bad movies. Yeah. Um, have you seen Cinderella three? There's a three. Okay. All right. So I. <laughs> I've seen most of the Disney sequels. Um, I can tell you that 
the Beauty and the Beast ones are unwashable garbage. Easy. And um, Lion King 2 is pretty okay. It's okay. I'd watch it. Um, but Cinderella 3 is, it might be just a good movie. <laughs> how did, listen, how did they make it? I didn't know there was a 2 and they made it to 3. Yeah, so 2 is like a compilation. I don't know if it was supposed to be a cartoon or what, but it's one of those compilation movies like Atlantis do, where they're mm. like, we're, here's a story about like, Jack Jack becomes a, a man. Like the, the mouse is a guy now. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't know how to be a guy. And then they're like, and here's a story. The only story on this this compilation that's worth my time is the story about like one of the sisters who learns like, oh, like I can be a good person if I fall in love with this, this baker guy. You know, he's not rich, but oh, I still like him. And she goes through like this big character arc. And I'm like, Wow, that's okay. That's good, but the rest of it's unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Wait, is um, three when they have a kid? Is that? I don't think they have a kid. Okay. Um, Never mind. Three is the evil stepmother gets the fairy godmother's wand and goes back in time. So Cinderella never, like the first movie, never happens, and she never marries the prince. But Cinderella remembers. The, like the old future so she remembers like being married to the prince and she knows like how things are supposed to go so she has mm-hmm. to like get the wand back from the her, her stepmother and huh. fix time this is a very this is an intricate plot for a single it's, movie it's so good it's like legitimately like there's real stakes for mm-hmm. one which cinderella one does not have I guess it kind of does, but the second one definitely does not have stakes like this. Like, it's like legitimate. She's like, I know how things are supposed to be, and I'm going to have to fight someone to get it back. <laughs> I will, hey, I will kill my stepmom. Yeah, think I won't. Yeah, it's just it's so wild, and um, yeah, that one's good. I would recommend if people haven't seen it. Um, I think it's on Disney Plus. Go watch that one because like Probably. that was coming out when like most of the sequels, pretty much all the sequels, were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so people were like, oh, I'm not going to watch these anymore. Th- this isn't worth my time. This one mm-hmm. is worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, my nerd news is also concerning Netflix. Um, <gasps> two, two Netflix things. The first is August coming in. Also in August, we get Legend of Korra. Um, yeah. Which is the sequel to the Avatar, Avatar The Last Airbender series, which just had just demolished Netflix numbers. Um, because the other news I had is Avatar The Last Airbender is now the longest running show on Netflix's top 10 since the since that was introduced. Wow. It was on the top 10 for 61 days straight. Nice. Um, surpassing the next next closest one is that Netflix show or- Orzak? Ozark? Ozark. It was on <laughs> it was in the top 10 for 57 straight days. And then after that, it like. All the rest kind of fall off into like the low 50s or high mm. 40s kind of. Wow. Um, so yeah, people are loving Avatar. I'm already seeing bad Korra takes on Twitter. Yeah, I'm already ready to defend Korra. I'm so ready that what we're talking about today is the Avatar Last Airbender franchise. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> today we'll be talking about Avatar and Korra and unfortunately probably a little bit of... Yeah, we have to mention the movie a little bit. Um, um, so I think, have I mentioned on the podcast that I have not seen all of Avatar The Last Airbender? Oh my god, you have, have not I- seen <laughs> Okay, I couldn't remember if I've told who I've told this. Everyone's always just like, Brenda, what? We're st- <laughs> hey, 
hey, everybody, podcast is over. I'm going to go watch <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender at Brendan's. What are you talking about? I Okay, so I've seen chunks of it. Um, yeah, I don't know why I never oh my, watched the whole thing. It's right there. It's on Netflix. We I know. It's right there. <laughs> I don't get a lot of time to, like, watch TV. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, like, usually just watch, like, short YouTube things, like, at night before I go mm-hmm. to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen all of Korra. So wild. <laughs> that, <laughs> this is that is a I you like so I never watched Star Wars like I never watched Star Wars Return of the Jedi, but I did. <laughs> I've never seen the original this is I have seen what I'm gonna say. I've never seen the original Star Wars trilogy, but I have seen the prequels. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. I've seen all of Star Wars. Brenda will fight you. Don't. Hey, we, we just went over metrics. Apparently, a lot of dudes listen to this podcast. I swear <laughs> to God, if I catch one dude saying Brenda's not seen Star Wars, I will find you. Okay? I Yeah. I watched Star Wars on VHS. My parents had like that big, big like conversation like, okay, when is it time for our daughter to watch Star Wars? Like that was like the first thing. It's <laughs> a big deal. My mom waited in line. For she had to be dragged to the first one because like no one really knew what it was, but she mm-hmm. waited in line to be one of the first people to see Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Um, so Avatar. So I think this this is really well to Avatar because a lot of so Avatar was created by Michael Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian. I can never say his last name. Kurinzitsko. Kurzneko. Kurzneko. I'm good. <laughs> I tried to look up, Brian, if you're listening to this, I tried to Google how to say your name. I never even found it in interviews, because always in interviews, they just say Michael and Brian, or they say their couple name, which is Bike. Bike! (laughs) Avatar The Last Airbender was created by Bike. (laughs) (laughs) That's like their, but it was created by those two um, at Nickelodeon. Um, They, before they worked on Avatar, Brian was already at Nickelodeon for a while. Um, Him and Michael went to... I'm just saying first names like we're friends. They went to they went to uh, school together. I forget where they went to school together. I just remember that that they went to school together. Um, Michael went on to work at like some of the adult animation company on Fox. So he worked on King of the Hill. He worked on Family mm. Guy. He worked on the whole initial run of Family Guy for like the first uh, season, I believe. Everything I could find just said he worked on the initial run of Family Guy. I don't know what that means because. <laughs> <laughs> Family Guy is still running and never was canceled, so I assume they just mean the first season. Yeah, because like remember, it did get canceled and then it came back. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so, um, so he probably he worked on that first chunk that ran on Fox. Yeah, so he did that, and then when Family Guy ended, he had some offers for some other stuff. Fox was trying to get out, but he really wanted to do something more creative, and at the time. Nickelodeon was really where like creatives were going for animation. Like Invader Zim was getting made right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, I don't like Invader Zim, but that was like a huge deal for animators because you didn't make cartoons like that. Like that, it's gross and weird and that wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like stylized and it's like super weird. And um, yeah, that was, that was pretty, it's pretty revolutionary for cartoons at this point in time. Like that just wasn't done. Um, so Brian was like, yeah, come work at Nickelodeon. We can, you can make art, essentially, was like the pitch. <laughs> Quote, unquote, art. art. <laughs> um, but they came up with the idea for Avatar in 2001, 
which is interesting because the show didn't premiere until 2005. It wasn't pitched until oh. 2004. Um, but he, like, it's really funny because Brian, I feel like he's very outspoken about Avatar and his art <clears throat> and seemed to have a lot of the original ideas. Mm-hmm. He He found this, like, old sketch that he had done of a balding of like a middle-aged man uh that was like balding and he according to him and every interview can find he was like um what if instead he was like a kid and he drew him as a kid and he drew like some bison in the air and michael was at the time he was watching a documentary about the south pole And so Michael was like, yeah, and then, like, there'd be these water people, like, living on the pole, um, and they're, like, running from someone, and, like, well, who'd they be running from? Like, oh, well, they'd be running from fire people, because fire people would, like, melt the pole, and, like, so they they pretty much, like, came up with the idea while watching TV instantly, <laughs> uh, which is pretty amazing, uh, and then they went on to pitch it to some producers at Nickelodeon, and Nick loved it, um, there's one interview I found where they talked about how quick they came up with the character ideas. Like they were, it was like, it was like once you have that idea, you know, like it all rushed into your head. Um, mm-hmm. They remembered like up until the pitch, they were still like fleshing out the whole world, like the whole story. Like it, they were, they were past pilot. They were like, we have a show. <laughs> we're <laughs> um, <laughs> like at the, the day of the pitch, like five minutes before their meeting, they were like sketching out, um, I think it was Sokka and Zuko or Sokka and Katara. Um, and they're like, they look a lot different now, but you would recognize them from that first sketch. They're like, it was just all very like salient in our minds what we wanted to do for the show. Boy. Um, in terms of like stuff they cited for influence, they talked about obviously Hayao Miyazaki, um, mm-hmm. just everything he's done. They also talked about other anime like Cowboy Bebop and Fooly Cooly. Um, and the whole idea for Avatar was they wanted to make like they wanted to make an epic they wanted to feel like lord of the rings or um other epics at the time that had been coming out but they wanted to have this influence because like they loved anime they loved like hong kong action movies they loved kung fu action movies um they were both really big into eastern philosophy in like a like a big way like i think they both like talk to talk and walk the walk. I know they both have been interviewed by like Buddhist magazines mm-hmm. about their work on Avatar. So I, I I don't think it's that like it's it's not that like white guy like oh Buddhism's cool kind of thing. Like I believe they are very learned in that way. Like they've they've taken the time to learn about it. Yeah, it's not just like a like an overlay or something like yeah. oh peace. It's they really did their research on a lot of aspects of the show. They really did. I mean, they had, mm-hmm. they went down to like, apparently, so the Fire Nation was originally going to be like, inspired by Japan. And I feel like when you look at the map, you can see it like the Fire Nation looks like in a map of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were worried that would be too, they didn't want any overt, overly characteristics of the bad guy. They're like, this is, we made fire Nazis and we can't just be like, they're Japanese. Yeah, that's, <laughs> whew, that was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saved it uh i mean now that like they had martial arts instructors like instructs like i remember i don't know if you remember watching like behind the scenes stuff from the show oh they played uh, it just like on nickelodeon all yeah, the time it was so cool they they would play like 
them watching martial arts instructors like come up with bending moves from them like they they were just like yeah we're gonna animate what you just did would you please do it like 30 more times while we all draw it (laughs) and i think that's incredible yeah that just gives it like a kind of its own authenticity and the fact that like all of the different um thinking of a word (laughs) bending (laughs) yeah all the different benders have different styles Mm -hmm. um is really really cool because there really hadn't been a cartoon that had put that much thought into that kind of detail before no and i think that's why it took off so much it's it's oftentimes called an american anime um which gets into like well what makes something an anime but Mm -hmm. it very much has that it has that flavor to it let's say like it feels like it doesn't feel like something an american animation studio would make at all yeah it's got like it's not only just like the kind of more anime inspired style it's the way of storytelling like the um the serialized like overarching story that we don't see too much we see it more now but Mm -hmm. you didn't see it um around that time in animation everything was pretty episodic and sometimes maybe like a series would kind of like slowly build up but it was still mostly episodic because it was Mm -hmm. intended to be watched out of order so Mm -hmm. this was like pretty new yeah avatar you could like they would they aired reruns because it was a ratings powerhouse it just Mm -hmm. dominated the field when it was airing so they aired reruns, um, but I mean, even the way they released it, like, they didn't call them seasons, they called them books, like chapters of a story of this like epic that you're watching, reading? <laughs> um, Experiencing. Ex- that's a good word. Uh, got them. Uh, in terms of the bending, yeah, each bending had its own like martial art it was kind of uh, influenced by. So water bending was Tai Chi. Uh, earth bending was... I may be saying this wrong because I don't know Chinese, but Hung Gar, H-U-N-G-G-A-R. I feel like it's probably not pronounced the way I read it, but I tried, again, I tried finding it pronounced, but I can't read Chinese characters. Um, they said for firebending, um, it was a lot of no, blah, no, Northern, I have a hard time saying that word, Shaolin, um, movements uh which is a lot of like usually like the, like the strong arm and leg movements we're probably used to seeing if you've seen firebending ever mm-hmm. uh and then bagua is what was influenced for airbending but i find it what is really cool so there's one of my favorite characters from avatar is toph mm-hmm. um toph for people who don't know is a blind earthman uh she's blind at birth and her family because of her disability treats her like she's this delicate flower that can never see the outside world like they literally keep her locked up in their house um but she is in my opinion besides ang who's like god essentially uh <laughs> <laughs> she's the strongest character in the show she invents a new type of bending like on the fly while being captured by adult men <laughs> and she is and she has this line after she, she says i'm toff bayfong the greatest earthbender alive and don't you forget it which is true um <laughs> Because she invents her own way of earthbending because she doesn't, if you watch other people earthbend, Toph doesn't earthbend like them. Um, and her earthbending style is actually influenced by Chudar Southern Praying Mantis style. Oh. Uh, and they said they did that because it uses more like feet than hand movements because Toph quote unquote sees by tracking the vibrations in the earth um, because she's honed her skills to the point where like when people are moving, 
the vibrations hit her feet and her brain can pick it up as like seeing what's happening mm-hmm. um and i think that's again that's just like the detail to like well she doesn't use she doesn't use her eyes to see she gets to the world in a different way she's learned how to take her disability and turn it into something that's like an extension of her than like something that hinders her so she mm-hmm. wouldn't fight like everyone else um which is i think what makes her like one of the greatest vendors because people expect a and they get z because she doesn't fight like an earth yeah so they have no clue what they're getting into <laughs> she just kind of like comes out of nowhere and then like whoops whoops yeah. everyone's ass <laughs> well because people are earth, earth bending expecting it's like a lot of like stomping and like arm movements but she mm-hmm. does a lot of like subtle hand movements and like foot movements so she'll like trip you by making the earth you're standing on like rotate 20 degrees and you'll fall mm-hmm. um she's just such a badass i love Toph. <laughs> <laughs> um a lot of the the show talked did a lot about like war genocide imperialism the firebenders mm-hmm. are fire nazis <laughs> um essentially essentially uh but yeah they there's this they wanted um ang to feel like a trickster hero which is common in a lot of mythologies and i think it telegraphs well because ang's an airbender ang uses a staff um and so the th- the first thing I think of when you see like staff flying trickster is like the journey to the west. Yeah, the, um, the monkey king. The monkey king, uh, which also inspired Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball. Um, and so it just, I really love Avatar. And this is mostly me talking about why I love Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, so I just haven't seen all of it. But whatever mm. I have seen, I do really like Um I've seen the first episode quite a bit because they aired it um, nonstop on Nickelodeon. Have, in the have, like, have you watched this? Sh- watch this. Have you watched this show? Have you seen this yet? Have you seen this first one? Because if you miss this first one, you might not be able to watch the rest of them. Like they were kind of nervous. <laughs> I think that people would miss stuff and like mm-hmm. just not like miss the first episode and then just never watch the rest of it. So they just showed it nonstop. They would be like, hey, it's Saturday morning. We're going to show the first episode of Avatar again. Hey, mm-hmm. it's like Tuesday at six o'clock. We're going to show the first episode of Avatar again. <laughs> hey, here's you the first are, episode of it, Avatar. <laughs> have you ever seen, they used to do these, I don't, Nick, you see pop-up episodes for stuff? Oh, yeah. They, they do. Did they have one that was like a summary of Avatar? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they had some for Avatar and they were like, I cannot find, listen, listener, if you have a recording of it, if you know where I can buy some, I don't care if it's $100. I (laughs) loved those because they weren't all, like, they were informational, like a lot of the pop-up episodes, but Mm -hmm. some of them were also just funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's this arc where they're in, they're, like, in the Fire Nation in hiding, Um, and they, Katara and Sokka pretend to be Aang's parents because he goes to school. To like find out what the Fire Nation's like, and they pretend to be his parents. So Sokka glues a beard to his face, <laughs> <laughs> and I think he says his name is Mister Maember. <laughs> and the pop up just has like random facts about Mister Maember. <laughs> like they talk about because like people like Sokka take that beard off. He's like, I can't. It's permanently glued to my face. And the pop up was like. It would later take Sokka two hours to get the beard off of his face. <laughs> so you go into this like pop-up episode and you expect them to be like, oh, here's how they like animated the scene. And they're just like, here's all the facts about this like non-existent character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently there is a short comic, I haven't found it, of like where Sokka 
almost enlisted in the army as Mr. Ember because there's like conscript. That's like how they explore conscription in the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because he goes to the school and they're like, "Oh, hey, you haven't done your duty yet to like fight in the war." Um, and I haven't ever found like I think it was like a short web comic is what they said it was in the pop up, but I've never found it to read it because this is before I didn't. I didn't grow up with reliable internet, so I couldn't just look it up as they were saying it. Yeah, I wonder if it was like in Nick Magazine. Maybe. Was that still of, around? It was. There were there <gasps> are some interviews that I tried to like find sources for from like things I looked up that were like, the source was like, Nick Magazine, 2005. And I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been digitized, so. <laughs> I guess I'll just believe you. <laughs> well, if you ever need a source from a Disney Adventures magazine, I, um, I have them Ooh. all. Oh, interesting to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The reason I even thought about this topic is because uh, Brian, in one interview, he brought up the Iron Giant because I know we talked about like, it was so good, but it failed. And he talked about worrying that that was going to happen to Avatar because Brian and Michael are like, they're older than us, but they were obviously around the same time all this media is coming out. They were like, Mm -hmm. they would have been like teens and 20 somethings when we were like kids. So... You know, they're in animation school. They go see the Iron Giant. They think it's amazing. They're like, I know how hard that would have been. And then it bombs. Um, And then they come up with this wild idea of these groups of kids trying to (laughs) bring down an imperialist dictator um, on a kid's cartoon-like network. Which, again, this does not happen right now in cartoons. Yeah, nothing like this. I think the closest thing would be like, was just was the Justice League cartoon out yet? Uh, I think so. Cause that had kind of like a more. They hadn't gotten to Justice League Unlimited yet, which is mm. the one that has like the very like character based storytelling ones. Mm. But even that was episodic because it would like kind of jump from between um different characters and like tell their story, and then next episode would be like this is a different character and just kind of focused on like more serious aspects of like being a superhero as opposed to like the previous justice league series which had all been two-part episodes Mm -hmm. which was mostly just like typical superhero stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it was because the show was each episode you learn you need stuff about the characters there are some episodes that focus on just one or two characters um there are some episodes that focus on the villains where you don't see the heroes at all or if you see them it's in like the opening shot and then they're like anyway here's what the villains are up to um yeah like i really there's uh there's an episode that focuses on zuko is antagonist turn anti-hero turned hero kind of character arc um mm-hmm. but there's an episode that focuses when he's in his like villain stage where it's like zuko his sister who's a villain and then like their friends um they're they're at like zuko is the crown prince to the fire nation um so they're at their parents' like beach house in somewhere in the Fire Nation, like trying to be normal teens. That also beach episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a beach episode about <laughs> trying to be normal teens. But these four teens just helped like start an imperialist takeover of a whole nation. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Let's go relax." Um, but it's a very good like character driven episode where like they try and have fun on the beach, and they can't have fun on the beach because they're like. It's weird because like they go hang out with normal teens and you realize these kids aren't normal because you've only seen kids in this show like that are like the villains or the heroes, but they're all teens. And they go yeah. hang out with normal teens who like, let's play. It's like soccer volleyball. <laughs> it's like volleyball you play with your feet. 
and they destroy <laughs> these kids because they're like highly trained militarized fighters. <laughs> yeah, they're like very intense about this game. <laughs> And they're like, let's go to a party. And they don't know how to be at a party. And it's just very, it's an endearing way to see like being that awkward teen in a different mm-hmm. lens, you know, because they're, they're just awkward. They're like, we don't know how to, it's kind of them seeing like, what do we do when this is over? Cause we don't fit in here. Um, yeah. It does a good job of like also showing that like the way that like these teens have been raised, um, it's not the norm for like pretty much everyone else in the world. Like there's mm-hmm. like another just world out there that doesn't mm-hmm. revolve around like what our heroes and our villains are up to like and it's good to show that yeah because you don't so a lot of shows don't take that moment to pull back and show you that because mm-hmm. you think like everyone's world's like this because even when team avatar runs into other teens that are like we'll help you in the rebellion effort like they're in it <laughs> yeah um yeah the episode really good goes on <laughs> exactly life goes on to moves forward and it was it's one of my favorite episodes because it deals like at the end um the they're all sitting around like a campfire or whatever talking about how shitty the day was and they're all essentially like well guess it's time to share emotional trauma because you might go die in this war tomorrow um (laughs) and it's it's just like a very heartwarming episode where like they all share like you get their backstory because the show you get a lot of backstory for like Zuko and Azula because they're tied to the main antagonist so like you see through him you learn a lot about um but their Mm -hmm. friends uh May and Ty Lee you don't you you don't get a ton of their backstory but they they get to they tell you their whole story even though it's not like an infant they don't talk for 20 minutes yeah um I don't know it really it's it's maybe the best episode of the series and it's there's no fights you don't see Team Avatar it doesn't progress the big story, the overworld story, in any way. Um, it's just this small, focused-in episode on these four characters that you spent a lot of time with but have not gotten to know. Yeah. Good writing. Good writing. Um, Good writing! <laughs> uh, the quote he had about the Iron Giant was, the biggest goal I had for Mike and I and everyone who worked on the show along the way finished was to finish telling the story. It would have been a shame if we were cut short before we could share the ending. Now that we are working on the final episodes of book three, I can say that the success of the show has been a wonderful beyond benefit of my personal goal. Um, this interview was when they were finishing up uh, the finale, which is book. That must have been like really scary to have like seen the Iron Giant and be like, this is like a masterpiece mm-hmm. and then be just like completely worried that like your masterpiece is going to do just as poorly. I can't, I can't imagine the show had only gotten like one season or a season and a half. Like what? Like, that would be... The landscape of cartoons looks different without Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. We wouldn't have gotten, like, um, She-Ra. Nope. Or Voltron. Nope. Um, like, those two really great series wouldn't exist that have, like, similar kind of, like, storytelling. I think She-Ra takes that kind of storytelling and just, like, goes through the roof with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think she I Like, from She-Ra, we're going to get in, like, five, six years we'll be on this podcast. Like, without She-Ra, we wouldn't have gotten... You know, I don't know, but I don't like it really. It's weird to live through a revolutionary moment in like a medium because growing up in it, you're just like Avatar's good. 
Um, yeah, you're just like, oh, I like this. This is different and nice. And now it's like, that was revolutionary. Yeah. And like now, like, um, Adventure Time was revolutionary and mm-hmm. Steven Universe was revolutionary mm-hmm. and uh, She-Ra was revolutionary. I mean, I think without this show, even like of the less epic like character shows, like you don't get like Craig of the Creek, which is just a show about three kids being goobers, but it's like very character driven. Um, yeah, as opposed to like previously when it was like more like cartoons would be more gag driven yeah. or slapstick driven as opposed to characters. Yeah, it was more of like how many jokes can we fit in twenty two minutes? Which is I'm not I like a lot of those cartoons, but yeah, it's different. You know the things that I remember like from like so say like Fairly Odd Parents, which is very much like a slapstick non character driven mm-hmm. show. The things I remember from it are like the movies where they had more time to do more character based mm-hmm. stuff. And that's why that show is memorable to me is because they had those longer form to do more character stuff. Characters are what you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't tell you a single gag from any gag cartoon I watched. Yeah, I can. I got some SpongeBob ones that I'm sure are only prevalent in my mind because of memes. Like, I'm sure I remember them because memes happened from them. Yeah, SpongeBob is like the meme language. <laughs> We know Spongebob because we made memes. Yeah. (laughs) They tried to make a live action. Okay, they didn't try. They did make a live action movie. The live action movie happened. The live action movie apparently made a lot of money. Like, made money. We all wanted it to be good. (laughs) Which is, going back to Iron Giant, I'm like, wow. The Iron Giant made no money. And the Avatar The Last Airbender movie made money. Made lots of money. Do you think, quick aside, do you think Iron Giant, if it was released today, do you think it would make money? I think if the Iron Giant was made today, it'd be like, it'd be all, like, if the Iron Giant, like, Twitter would lose its mind, it'd be trending for, like, three weeks, critics would be raving about it. Um, I think if we got an Iron Giant-esque animated movie today, like, I feel like that's what the people want. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's just where anime... It was just too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... it's God, very if you haven't seen it... Yeah, it, if you haven't un- seen it... It's very good. Go watch Iron Giant. Um, I think it's very unfortunate because now we're in this world... Animated movies are pretty much Disney or Pixar, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're... I want to say this without being... They're very safe. Yeah, Not that they like, can't mean they're not good. I mean, I've... I love a bunch of animated movies that have come out recently from Western animation, but they're very like, this will make money. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I saw Onward and Onward, I think, was like a little less safe because it was mm-hmm. that premise is bananas. And like, if you don't kind of understand what D&D or role playing games are, you don't get it. <laughs> like, I guess that's so... true. There is Onward. I feel Onward, um, sadly, it, it suffered to COVID like they just they threw it up online. Yeah, but, like, I was watching with my parents, and they were just sitting there, like, I have no clue what's happening. I don't get these jokes. And I'm sitting there, like, just tears streaming (laughs) down my face. Just, like... (laughs) You know, I didn't think about that. I'm pretty pretty deep into role-playing games, so I was like, yeah, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, so I'd say that one's a little less safe if you... Because, like, people, even though role-playing is bigger than ever, it's, like, is there a correlation between, like, people who are going to go see a Pixar movie mm-hmm. and people who role-play? And, true. like, that's us, but is that kids? That's true. Um, but that's a good movie. Anyway, the last, this is, here's a quote from Roger Ebert, um, which sums up most of what I have to say. And then we can, <laughs> I'll just give a few quick facts. The last Airbender, I'm ready. 
is an agonizing experience in every category I can think of and others still that are waiting to be invented. That's pretty that's pretty much it. Um there's a lot about production you can get into, there's a lot about the name they did. Um what I've one of the things it suffered from um is right before it was gonna be released, James Cameron released Avatar with his blue people. Um, the one with the blue people. <laughs> And it was a big commercial success. And one of those things driving it was it's like revolutionary 3D technology. And a lot of studios wanted to ride that wave. So Nick told the production team they were going to make the movie in 3D now with like two months to go before release. (laughs) So to save money, they cut 30 to 45 minutes of the film, like somewhere in there. Like it's uh, no one has a clear estimate, but they cut almost an hour from the film to do this and some fans say that's how it suffered it had a lot of issues there's whitewashing <laughs> the bending is not good oh the bending <laughs> is so bad when you already have styles of like yeah <laughs> bending like that you can draw from and you just choose to make it slow as molasses it's um it's bad oh we're we're saving our yelling for a yell episode so that's all that's all i have to say yeah, get ready for yellow ye- ye- soda. <laughs> um, Whenever we decide to have yellow soda. Legend of Korra. I like Korra. I love, let's go. Why do you like okay. Korra? <laughs> I can talk about Korra a little more. Mora. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mora on the yes. Legend of Korra. <laughs> so Korra is about the avatar after Aang. So Aang has passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, how many years is it since? It's 70 years. 70 years so like the whole universe is going through this industrial revolution and there's like kind of like a unrest between benders and non-benders and like uh on the the world is unbalanced because there's like not quite as much relationship with like the spirits mm-hmm. anymore like that whole part is kind of dying out mm-hmm. um and it's about cora who lives she lives in the southern water tribe right yeah she's in the southern water yeah, and so she's been raised as the Avatar her whole life yep. and, like, since she was, like, pretty young. And so she's, like, kind of full of herself, very sheltered. Um, and the story is her heading to this big city to, like, find herself mm-hmm. <laughs> and become the Avatar. And she's just, like, not equipped to do this because she's been sheltered her whole life mm-hmm. and um, not prepared for how awful things are going to get for her. Yeah, she's... Because there's this great scene because they're looking for the new, like Aang dies and everyone knows there's a new Avatar somewhere. Let's go find it. Um, mm-hmm. And they're looking and they get to, there's this scene where they get to Korra's family like, oh, our daughter's the Avatar. I'm like, well, how are you sure? And she, Earth, she like comes in, kicks down their wall with earth bending, shoots fire, shoots water and shoots there. And she's like, I'm the Avatar and you got to deal with it. Yeah. And that's Korra. <laughs> like, she's like, she's not ang which i think is like a lot of people's problem quote-unquote problem with her mm-hmm. is that she's not like ang was like very peaceful and like kind of jokey very kind cora mm-hmm. has been told her whole life that she's the absolute shit she's you're and the so, greatest thing in the world and you're gonna you're you're gonna make the world a better place she's like you fucking right i am yeah fuck yeah i'm gonna make the world a better place um and then she kind of learns it's not gonna be as easy no. <laughs> as she thought because <laughs> she kind of thinks like you know, and I, I imagine too, like how when in that world, like how much are kids, even the Avatar, told about the struggles from Team Avatar because that gets into like, well, how much did Team Avatar tell people what got written down? You know, like all they know is like 
Aang's the Avatar. He woke up a hundred years later and he beat the shit out of Sozin. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, There's a big old statue <laughs> of him. There he is. Look at him go. <laughs> so, yeah. And she's like, you know, Korra, Aang was born during like a time of unrest and was kind of like kept hidden away mm-hmm. and like raised by the air nomads. But Korra's like been out as the Avatar her whole life and like lives with her parents and... um it's not a period of war, mm-hmm. so it's like a t- peace period. So, yeah, she, I love her. She's not ready. <laughs> she's not ready. Um, she's not ready. She, and it's all. She also has the weight, the burden of like Aang is seen as like he's a he's a hero to these people. Like he, there are yeah. people's like grandparents who are like, yeah, I grew up under the Fire Nation and it fucking sucked, and then Aang came and it was better. Um, yeah, and then there are also people who personally knew Aang, who are still alive. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not like with Aang, who he was asleep for 100 years, so almost everyone he knew is no longer around. Right. And, <laughs> almost. And Korra, in spoilers for this show that's like six years old, um, <laughs> like Katara's still alive, Toph's still alive, um, Zuko's still alive. Uh, it's unclear, like one of the things people ask, like, is Sokka alive? Question mark Because you never see him, but they also never say he's dead. Um, yeah, you just, you just where is he? Because Katara specifically, Katara specifically mentions some of her friends that have died. She mentions like mm-hmm. Suki's gone, Toph's gone, and you're like, okay. And your brother, your very close <laughs> brother, whomst you went on a big old adventure with, where is he? he? Is and like you kind of assume he's dead because the idea that like Katara, Zuko, Toph, like they're around because there's this magic mysticism they don't really talk about that like benders just live longer. Mm. Um, that's why in Avatar Last Airbender, Aang's friend Boomy is alive at 112 and kicking and yeah. fine. Um, and I remember in the I, I learned it from a pop up episode. It pops up like King Boomy's still alive due to Benders having a longer lifespan. Like it's just like they're like that's just it. Benders are I don't know like elves maybe. Pretty much like yeah, the equivalent. Um. So yes, Sokka. Yeah, Sokka has to be dead. Sokka's probably dead because he was also Sokka's older. Dead. Like he was, he was. Yeah. If Katara was meant to be like fifteen or something, Sokka's her older brother, so I'm like, he's sixteen or seventeen. <laughs> yeah, and he's not a bender, so hey, everyone. Um, I think Sokka is dead Sorry. in Legend of Korra. Sorry about that. Sokka's like one of my favorites, so I'm gonna have to go think <laughs> about that later. <laughs> um, but one of the things Legend of Korra went through is just absolute hell from Nickelodeon. Yeah, which is wild to think about because they had this like big runaway success and it's the sequel to this big successful series and this time Nickelodeon's like, hey, what if I stuck my hand inside all these pies? Yeah, basically. Um, what if I meddled with all these pies? So they first came with the Aether Legend of Korra and it was going to, like Nick told them they would get a, a one-off miniseries um, as a way to like show, because fans want to know like, well, what happens next and that kind of thing. So like, we'll make this miniseries. Mm-hmm. You'll see what the world's like. You'll meet the new avatar, and that'll, that'll like that's that's it. Like it'll be like a a like soft goodbye. Um, because there's at this <laughs> at the same time they're still releasing Avatar: Airbender comics, so they're telling you more of the story. But people they're still doing that right now too. People don't want to like, read. They still come out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like yeah, we'll make this mini series. It'll and it'll be fine. And then as they are finishing production on the mini, the, what they thought to mini series, like. Someone from there essentially comes in and is like, you're getting a season two. They're like, oh, okay. So they start pre-production on season two. 
Um, and as they're close to halfway on season two, um, again, animation, everybody, takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Each episode of Core took about a year to make. Uh, Jeez. Yeah. So, you, you, like, they're working on episode one of season two. Uh, and, like, it's done the next year. So season one is, like, airing and they're working on season two. Um, mm-hmm. Time gets weird when you have to think about, like, well, how long were they working on that kind of stuff? Um, yeah. So they're halfway through production on season two. And it's at that point, again, someone comes in like, you're going to get a season three and four, but <laughs> you have until like X time to finish it. So they worked on season three and four at the exact same time. Jeez. And then at some point, I know the budget got slashed. The budget slashed. And they ha- <laughs> yeah, the, the budget got just like decimated and they had to switch studios. And then there's like a, there's a clip show. Yep. There's a clip show in Legend of Korra. <laughs> They, uh, yeah, the budget cut happened in season four. They, they say, so what's hired is in interviews. They were interviewed a lot about Legend of Korra. They were interviewed a lot about Legend of Korra while they still actively worked for Nickelodeon. Mm. So a lot of their answers are very like, it wasn't all that bad, which. It's fine. (laughs) Which if you've ever been a service industry person or worked as an artist, you know, that's the help me. (laughs) Yeah, that's like, I can't say what I feel, but like, know that I'm suffering. <laughs> um, but they, they get this call down from Nickelodeon, from an exec that's like, we're cutting your budget to the tune of an entire episode. Um, Phew! So they had two options. They could fire about half of their staff early, which again, if you're an artist, like, you're working on a big show for Nickelodeon, you have no other plans. You're like, this is my money for the year. Yeah, it's like, you expect to be there till the end. And so getting cut is, like, decimating. That can, like, absolutely. That can, like, ruin your life. You're like, I have to move back home and, like, work in My career McDonald's. is done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I will never recover from this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, that got me really good. <laughs> and so instead of doing that, they, because they had, by their report from this interview, um, they had most of episode eight plotted out but they hadn't they hadn't started making it it wasn't like they had to throw something away Mm -hmm. um and so brian and mike both said like it was never on our mind to fire people we were like okay we're gonna make a clips episode thank you mike yeah that was like their their immediate thought was clips episode got it that they're like that is what we they said you don't have an episode nate and we heard clips episode got it (laughs) yeah we heard clip show so we can keep all of our employees (laughs) Um, and so it's unfortunate to think of like what we could have gotten, like a whole a whole episode of development, especially for their storytelling way, is a lot. Yeah. Um, That's why Korra has like Korra has this, even though it has technically more seasons mm-hmm. than Avatar. Um, it it has this like very like breakneck pace pacing because mm-hmm. it just it just goes because they just didn't have time to kind of elaborate. The whole thing was just kind of a mess. Because it, it Korra. Again, these interviews will say differently, but as a fan, at least, Korra is... The Legend of Korra show is seemingly hated by Nickelodeon. Yeah, and did we talk about this on the podcast about, like, maybe it was written off on taxes? Oh, uh, we did, a little bit, but we could say okay. more about that. Yeah, I've, like, tried to, like, actually confirm this, and, like, there's no, like, actual confirmation, but, like, what bigger studios will do when they have, like, a product that quote-unquote isn't doing well is that they'll just write it off on their taxes 
And then you can kind of tell when this happens. And you can't tell for sure because companies aren't super public about it. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of tell when this happens when there's like a show. They air the whole thing at like a very breakneck speed. And then they never air it again. So like with Korra, they one, took it off of regular Nickelodeon and yep. just like dumped it onto the internet. Um, then then they um, once they were done airing it, they were done. Korra did not show up for a very long time on the station. They didn't do reruns. They didn't do anything. It was just gone. Korra barely happened. So to put it in perspective, Avatarless Airbender with three seasons aired from 2005 to 2008. Legend of Korra with four seasons aired from 2012 to 2014. God, that's like, geez. That's not sleeping. Again, animation takes a very long time. It's a very delicate art form with mm-hmm. each episode taking about a year and that is why for season three and four they just made them at the they had to do all of it at once yeah and you you can tell because like one Korra is like kind of dealing with more like it deals with a lot of trauma mm-hmm. it deals with like a lot of like i'd say like slightly not older themes but like more serious the stakes are different mm-hmm. than the original avatar um Korra is dealing with like real adults that every season really try to murder mm-hmm. her like and one of them is a family member yeah right yeah, yeah, so there's, like, a lot of, like, just emotional trauma that comes from that. And the show tries to deal with that, but they didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there just was not time to handle it the way that they wanted to. Yeah, it was, like, it very much, like, I said this on Twitter today, that Korra's antagonist is PTSD and trauma. That is that is her actual villain. Yeah, she, spoilers for Korra, in the, at the end of the first season, um, the villain takes her bending away, mm-hmm. which has been her whole identity up to this point. So she has to, like, relearn how to do that. There's, like, a period where she's in a wheelchair. Yeah. She's, like, very checked out. That's, like, very intense trauma that needs very good writing to handle it correctly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they handled it wrong. They just didn't have time to really focus on it. Yeah. Um, but that's just as valid as anything that Aang went through. Like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, and I think Aang went through it differently. Like Aang, yeah. Ha- again, Aang had like some adults try and kill him. It was mostly other teens, which I'm not saying makes it easier. They want to kill you, but Aang, like, Aang has this plot armor of like not being too burdened by it, by him being like a trickster hero. Like trickster heroes are yeah. like, like that was really scary, and they're like, oh, ho, 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 joke, 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 and like that's that's yeah. just that trope. Like it's it's not like it doesn't bother them, but like that's them getting through it. Yeah, Korra is a. Like, she's, like, 15, mm-hmm. 16-ish. She's a teenage girl. So she... Teenage girls, having been a teenage girl, <laughs> take things very personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just handles it differently. And there's a romance plot. She is a teenage girl. There's a romance yep. plot. They, they couldn't help. Listen, two men, they couldn't help it. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the best part of the series. But, like, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, she's just not Aang. Mm-hmm. When I understand even wanting to explore that romance plot like again ang is 12 yeah ang is not like a like a quote like a big teenager no. ang is like i still a tween mm-hmm. so he's 12 he's not gonna care about romance no cora cora is a teenager a teenage <laughs> girl like Aang, with ang they definitely do the thing where like ang's like katara is my best friend and you're like oh sweetie <laughs> oh, oh honey <laughs> you're gonna get married uh, um <laughs> Like, they definitely do that thing. And for, I don't, I still don't know to this day. I'm like, Aang, the entire series says Katara is just his best friend. And then at the end, they kiss and I was like, yeah, great. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> you think that's development, but Korra and, a, spoilers for Korra, Korra and Asami ending up together isn't de- 
what? That doesn't count because they're just friends the whole time? That's not allowed? Yeah, they go through, like, like Korra goes through this whole, like, discovering her sexuality where she's, like, Asami goes from being, like, her quote-unquote competition mm-hmm. for um, Mako to being her girlfriend. Yeah. I have a friend who just watched Legend of Korra recently who is a bisexual woman. And mm-hmm. episode three, like, whenever she meets Asami, she tweeted, oh, so this Asami girl is gay as fuck for Korra, right? <laughs> yeah (laughs) i didn't like i didn't see that being a cis straight dude but like seeing like seeing her take on i'm like oh okay so it was very like she was like she got to and she's like i just want everyone to know i looked it up online there's controversy i guess as a bisexual woman it was very clear they liked each other (laughs) yeah i picked up on it when i watched it i was just like oh sami's gay but this was 2012 ish Mm -hmm. i didn't think they'd do it like Mm -hmm. that still wasn't it wasn't common like now like um she-ra mm-hmm. super gay show um steven universe also very gay but those like you know when Korra was coming out that wasn't that wasn't done that's why that was so controversial at the end and that's why they could only really hold hands yeah um that just at that point not done so i didn't think that nickelodeon would do it so funny enough they didn't think nickelodeon would do it they had the idea in the room like i think it was brian was like i think they would end up together but everyone on the team was like, Nick won't go for that. They're like, they literally will not let us do it. Um, <laughs> and they went to the execs and they said they could do it. But again, there was up to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not find an interview where Brian said what the point was. They, he just, he always says, they said we had free reign up to a point. And I think we can all read between the lines that again, he was still working for them. And the point was they cannot kiss. Yeah. Um, the comics can do a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like The comics are like super gay. Mm-hmm. The whole first, um, like, arc is about, like, Korra and Asami, like, telling people that they're together. Mm-hmm. Which the comics are super good. Definitely would recommend them. They are good. Um, they handle it. Yeah, they're really good. They handle it in a good way, too. It's not like, it's not like she's afraid. There's not like, they don't put, like, discrimination. It's not like the world's anti-gay or something. Mm-hmm. It's more of, like, you get this sense, like, the, the romantic life of these teens has been buck wild. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, everyone's dated everyone except the brothers. Ugh, thank God. Um, <laughs> thank God. You dodged that bullet. <laughs> and so it's like, it's more of that worry of like, she, Korra struggles a lot with identity. She's like, I'm the avatar, you know? And she struggles with like what that means for her throughout the whole series. And she's like, now there's this new thing about me that she has this like feeling she's like responsibility to the world. Because again, she's like, I'm the avatar. Like I gotta, you know, like if you can imagine our world, if like, there was a world leader who was queer, but didn't necessarily like advertise it, but feeling that they had to because like I have this responsibility to and that weight of like, but it's my personal life and you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, back when like Aang was the Avatar, there wasn't really like a paparazzi. There wasn't like this big like news cycle. There weren't really like newspapers mm-hmm. like there are now in like Korra's time. So like her whole romance life and like everything she does is is publicized and everyone sees it. Mm-hmm. She's in the spotlight. Again, as a teenager. And as a teenager, <laughs> which is awful. Like, that's a lot of pressure. Like, everyone's looking at you all the time. Aang didn't have to deal with that. Aang just, like, camped out in the woods yeah. and, like, fought Zuko and then, like, hung out. Like, nobody was, like, gossiping just, like, hey, the Avatar did this. Like, but that's constant. Everything Korra does is, like, everyone immediately knows. And, like, there's this image of the Avatar she has to live up to. Mm-hmm. And, like, she... The just, statue's right yeah. there. <laughs> The statue's there. The statue's there. She knows Katara. Um, 
she knows people who Aang knew and everyone's just like, well, you're not like Aang. Mm-hmm. You're, Aang wouldn't do this. And she has to keep asserting like, well, I'm not him. Right. They have this really good scene. It's not Korra's scene, which I feel like it should have been. But there's this great scene with Tenzin, who is Aang's son, um, mm-hmm. who also has a lot of weight because Tenzin is now like the last airbender. Like Aang and Katara have a, have a few kids. They have one non-bender, one waterbender. Tenzin's the airbender. Um mm-hmm. And so Tencent feels like he has this duty to, like, repopulate this culture and, like, keep this culture alive that his dad, like, ingrained into him. He's like, this is, this is, like, our people's way. Like, this is what they do. This is, and Tencent's, like, the only one who can do it. And then he has kids and they can airbend. Um, and he feels this, like, wait to be, to, like, be Aang. Um, yeah. And he has this scene in... I forget what it, which season it is, but, like, there's, he, like, is in this, like, fog, this, like, spirit world fog that, like, you can get trapped in forever. He meets Admiral Zhao in there. That's where he ended up, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but he runs in, he, like, the thing this fog shows him to try and trap him is himself, is, like, Aang. Um, and then to get himself out of it, he has this conversation with his dad where Aang is telling him, like, you know, you're not me. And it's just, they have like a very good writing team um they mm-hmm. like it's handled in a way like i remember seeing it on tumblr afterwards where someone like photoshopped it saying like instead of ang's face it said the avatar lost airbender and then on Tenzin's face said legend of korra because <laughs> that's pretty much it like legend of korra that's it it's not avatar lost airbender and i can't i don't know how to tell you <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's like it takes place in the same universe. I think Korra kind of resonated more with me because I am just more into like more modern Mm -hmm. fantasy hybrid stuff. So I think like the setting just kind of there's cars there. There's like a scene where Asami and Korra like Asami's like driving Korra around in her car. You're like, yeah, you girl. Very gay. You go girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Like Korra's like never really had a car. Mm -hmm. She gets every around everywhere on her giant polar bear dog, Naga. Mm -hmm. Um, and, like, Asami, she's like, I have this car. Asami's, like, dad is, like, this big industrial guy. Also a villain. <laughs> um, so, so, like, Asami, like, knows all about, like, all this technology. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's her thing. She's got technology and she's got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, they're driving around in this car and it's just, like, I like that. I like cars. What can I say? <laughs> um, I don't know what my point is. I like cars, everyone. Cars are good. I- not, not the movies. <laughs> Brenda, pro cars, anti cars, the movie. <laughs> cars three was fine. I've never seen cars. Uh, um, cars one is. Do I need to watch Hollywood. one and two to see three? Um, just like read a summary of one. You don't have to see two. I don't <laughs> think they mentioned two at all. Like anything that happened in two. So just kind of read a summary of one. Or it's not a long movie, so you could probably just watch one. It's not awful. Okay. It's like it's Doc Hollywood with cars. Um. Or if you want me to get drunk and relay you the entire plot of Cars, I'll do it. New podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cars 3 is really good because it's about, um, well, this is a tangent. Cars 3 is about Lightning McQueen's getting older mm-hmm. and he has to kind of like realize that he can't race like he used to, um, which I can relate to because I'm almost 30. <laughs> we turn 30 next year, everybody. So it's like him trying to... Um, there's a road trip involved. I can't remember why. But anyway, he like meets this new younger car and she's like fast and he like becomes her coach. Um, I don't remember why he has to be her coach, mm-hmm. but I just remember it was a good experience. It was a fun movie. Nice. So go watch Cars 3. Cars 3. <laughs> um, but Cora did, a, Cora is another show that like 
was revolutionary for its time. I mean, we talked about Kurosawa meeting up together. That didn't happen in kids' mm-hmm. TV. It like kids' TV did was not, happen. not gay, not allowed. Yeah, absolutely not allowed. Um, at that point in time, it dealt with course PTSD. It dealt with fascism again. Um, mm-hmm. it, it shows court depression. It shows weapons of mass destruction because the last bad guy Kuvira builds essentially an avatar bomb. Yeah. Um, there's like a big conflict between benders and non-benders. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like got a commentary surrounded by that. It's got a commentary about like the relationship with nature versus technology. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on in Korra and it's different than what was going on in Avatar. It shows, but it's, it shows a lot good. of it, Korra gets tortured. Um, like we said yeah, before. Yeah, that's, that's hard gr- to watch. Grown, grown adult, a grown adult man tortures Korra nearly to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. And you're pretty sh- like you, the viewer, are like I'm going to watch this grown adult man torture this brown girl to death. Like in Cora's face, yeah. they just draw, and she's like, "I'm gonna die here." Yeah, she. Oh god, it's hard. It's kind of hard to watch. Um, and then like one of the villains is a family member yep. who like tries to use her for his own gain. Yeah, tries to kill her dad, his brother. Um. Yep, and then he, then he. Yeah, I'm not even gonna. <laughs> <laughs> That was a lot. Chris, a lot. They show, I remember um, one of the villains is like a combustion firebender, which if you watch the original Avatar, you know what it means. Um, yeah. And she gets killed by someone blocking, they put like, someone like metal bends like a helmet onto her head. So when she tries to bend, she blows up her head. Like she dies. Yep. And then there's also a scene where the, uh, is the Empress of the Earth Kingdom, I think, gets, just gets suffocated. Yep. On television. on television and nickelodeon like, thought it'd be good to play a spongebob ad <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like this this banner ad for spongebob and spongebob pops up as this lady's getting suffocated and he just like laughs and points yeah it's that and that is going back to nick hating cora cora <laughs> season one was a saturday morning cartoon nickelodeon thought it was mm-hmm. too extreme and violent for saturday morning so they moved to friday night uh, which is valid i get it halfway through its production on friday nights they moved season three the second half of season three to just all online and season four was all online um yeah and let me tell you watching it online on their website nickelodeon's website is really messed is up the, or at least it was back in 2014 it was like so it was awful um, it was so awful to yeah use. <laughs> it was just like a mishmash of like different time periods of design and like weird pop-ups and like just the a terrible video watcher that wouldn't load. It was very bad. It had it oh, had it bad awful. streaming quality, even though Cora was produced in like high definition for the time. It was good luck getting it off their website. Yeah, like no matter how hard you tried, Cora was going to be just really pixelated and blurry. Um, again, Ugh. they suffered from budget cuts. They suffered from animation cuts. They suffered from like having to switch animation studios like between production twice. Mm-hmm. Um. And you can tell the difference. Like, Korra's animation in the first couple seasons is very beautiful. Yeah. And then it just goes, boom! And then they... Off the head. It is... And despite all of that, Legend of Korra is a good show. Um, yeah. It's a great analog, because Korra being the main... She's the main character. She's a... She's a brown, young teen. They don't... They never specify, like, if Waterbender's meant to be, like, black or, like, brown or whatever. But the, she's brown. Um... Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Nickelodeon didn't like her show as much. Huh. <laughs> um, so, you know, we it's we can talk about what could have been, but we have what we have for Korra. Um, if you've never mm-hmm. watched it, it'll be up on Netflix August 14th. Um, 
you can be the Definitely judge for yourself. Can give it a watch. Yeah. Uh, just don't compare don't her to write Aang. Off. <laughs> yeah, she's not Aang. It's a different story. Um, if you want more of Aang's adventures, pick up the comics. Um, the first like chunk of the comics are written by uh, Jilin Yang. Um, it's just great. Incredible. Just amazing. Yeah. Art's done by um, Girohiro, I think, who is a duo. I think it's like maybe husband or wife. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But they're like an artist team. Um, they do really good art. Um, and then I don't know who writes the Korra comics. I don't. I was. But once you watch. <laughs> I was going to grab mine, but I just gave mine away <laughs> to that friend who just got done watching. So I can't I can't grab it and be like, it's by. <laughs> I was also going to grab, and then I remembered uh, my comics are like split between the basement and upstairs, and my Cora one is upstairs. So can't remember who did that one, but they did a good job. The art looks really good. Um, the story is really good. Um, yeah, check it out. Cora's good. It's Cora's good. Avatar's Airbender's good. I think good. to wrap up, I do want to say, like, you know, it's hard to know what it's like to work in an animation studio, but mm-hmm. looking at how they talk about their time now. I mean, I know they've both spoken out about, like, you know, there's a lot of loopholes to jump through. I know they were hindered for Avatar's Airbender, even though they're less outspoken about that. But they do have an opportunity, Netflix. Um, they're making a Avatar's Airbender live-action show um, yeah. with the original creators and team. And they said, and I quote, we can't wait to tell the story the way we always meant to. So let's let's see what Nick stopped them from doing the Avatar's Airbender, I guess. Yeah, I think that'll be exciting. And they're involved this time, so it's not going to be, hopefully, like, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think it should be good. We'll see what they can do, like, live action. Because I just, it's weird that they chose to do live action. I get that they want it to be different. Mm-hmm. But um, there's just so many constraints. Like, even though, like, like FX is, like, cheaper to do on a TV budget now. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, like, do more things that more impressive. Um, there's still, like, a lot that you can only do with animation. So we'll see what it looks yeah. like. We'll see what um, Hell Beast Appa <laughs> looks like. <laughs> the biggest thing I'm worried about is, like, Air, Aang, specifically Aang's fighting style, because airbending is, well, I guess waterbending, too. Like, they're both very fluid styles of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can make an animated character jump and do whatever you want, but, like, people are still constrained to, like, our bodies only bend certain ways. <laughs> We have bones. <laughs> we have these dumb bones. No matter, no matter what you do, we're going to have bones. <laughs> um, so while I'm excited because they're helming it, well, for the movie, they were producers on the movie. But mm-hmm. from what I could find, they only had like four meetings with M. Night, which is not enough. No. <laughs> uh, it's still, yeah, we're constrained by like being people. Uh so it's it's a we'll see. I feel like part of it's because Netflix enjoys live action more than animated stuff because Netflix animation is okay, in my opinion, when they do animated properties. Yeah, like the, the DreamWorks stuff is the strongest because yeah. like She-Ra and Voltron came out of uh, DreamWorks. Yeah. So um, um, we'll see. We will see. I will. I forgot that thing. Um, they did. They did tr- what they tried to spend for Korra because it got sent to all online. Um they said that, net, like, you know, it was interesting trying something new out because it was all online. Because this is when, again, streaming in 2014 was, like, ju- was like not where it is now. So mm-hmm. TV studios were very worried about how to compete. Um, yeah. And this is right when the Netflix DreamWorks deal first got signed. It's because they have a deal with DreamWorks and animation and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that deal had just come out. And animators were all like, what's it going to do? What's it going to be? Um, <laughs> and again, I think... Without this, without Korra, 
doing what they did for like cartoons and being online, I don't think we get Jira. Um, I don't think we get Voltron. You know, these two creators really paved the way for a lot of what we have now. So anytime they make something, I'll like tune in just to, I'll give it a shot. Maybe the first episode of the live action show will be terrible, but I'll watch it. Yeah, I haven't watched the Dragon Prince yet. I hear amazing things. I just I'm not yeah. I'm not keen on the animation stuff. I think. Yeah, I wish it wasn't. I don't like that kind of pseudo 3D cell shadedness. Yeah. It's probably really good, but yeah, that's not my jam. I just prefer if you're gonna do like CGI, just do CGI. Just, don't try to make just it. give me the show reboot, okay? Yeah, just it can look like reboot. I don't care. It's like when I'm watching like B stars and I'm like, oh, this is 2D, and then like a shot doesn't look 2D, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> I'm unsettled. Tricked you. <laughs> yeah. I, I still haven't completely gotten behind CGI shows yet. I wish I, I could, but I can't. I don't know why. Brenda's the high, Call me old fashioned. Brenda's the Hayao Miyazaki of Michigan. <laughs> Anime was a mistake. I'm kidding. <laughs> I hate CG. <laughs> CG can look really good, but it, it there's some things where I'm like, when it's trying to be like really realistic, mm-hmm. like uh, the Space Captain Harlock movie just looks bad. I don't know if anyone knows what that is but me. <laughs> um, that looks bad. Opposed to like the Lupin, the third movie that's coming out um, someday. I don't know if it's out already. Lupin, the third movie, that gives me skin crawlies. It's, I don't, I get uncanny badly real hard. <laughs> it looks better than Harlock because Harlock's trying to kind of be real. But like Harlock's design in general does not lend itself to way a real person looks ever it's not how people <laughs> he's got this big cape he's got all this hair it no one's hair looks like that um <laughs> so it's just like one bad two bad <laughs> <laughs> brenda what kind of bender would you would you be a bender or would you be a non-bender okay so i've put more thought into this than i think you might expect mm-hmm. um i feel like i would be a water bender okay uh, but not great at it. Okay. But I've got, you know, how they have those things like, this is the kind of hands you mm-hmm. have. I have like earth bending hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I refer to them as shovel hands because <laughs> I have very, <laughs> very wide palms and very short fingers. So <laughs> I got them shovel hands. Like my, yeah, I've got shovel hands, which are supposedly, according to random charts I found online, shared around Twitter and Tumblr, are earth bending hands. But I really like being in the water. Mm-hmm. But oh. I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> I am constantly submerged in water for most of my days now, and I just can't swim. I can kind of swim, but that's only because I have shovel hands and I can just like move the water in a shovel. <laughs> I'll just so maybe, shovel that water behind my back. Keep on going forward. Yeah, maybe I'm an earth bender who wants to be a water just desperately. You try and get in the water and just sink. You're like, please, accept me. Please, I don't want to move dirt anymore. <laughs> Maybe you'd be a magma bender. That's kind of like hot water. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, what kind of bender would you be? I really want to be a firebender. I want to be a firebender yeah. so bad, but every single quiz I ever take ever is like, you're an earthbender, baby. <laughs> and any t- Wait, we both have the same problem. <laughs> And anytime we're both just anytime I ask someone else, they're like, I know you'd want to be a firebender, but I feel like personality wise, you're an earthbender. I'm like, I know, I'm just not mean enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's what 
I was I was like, okay, Asa's gonna say fire adventure. <laughs> but we're both just like two when we get like when our podcast gets bigger, I hope someone draws like us is like wanna be waterbender. Hey, hey anyone <laughs> listening so to this just... podcast, you wanna you wanna get a guest spot on the Twitter, just draw us. <laughs> Sadly earthbending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of bit? You're like earthbending like a ch- like a rock that's on fire, or, like has a flame on top of it, and you're like, look, I'm doing it, and I'm just like submerged in water, like, hey. <laughs> I'm gonna go bend the coral reef, I guess. <laughs> That's the earth. <laughs> what kind of benders you? Earth. Earthbender, I guess. Uh, oh, I, oh, I would have thought you were a waterbender. No. You were wearing like blue with like a ponytail. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, I think that'll do it, everybody. Yeah, I think that's it. Um... So we get our music from Freedom Trail Studios. You can find them on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Nerd Mysteries. And you can find me, host Austin, person on Twitter at Sailor Scout Austin. That's Sailor S-E-T Austin. You can find me, host Brenda, at Batman and Sobin, S-O-V-B-I-N, at Twitter. Uh, our show is edited and produced by the lovely host Brenda. Um, and that's me! <laughs> and uh, until the next mystery, everybody. Bye! <laughs>